Welcome to Smart Casual, Images Fashion Podcast in collaboration with Kildare Village, dealing with personal style in a way that speaks to you. Hosted by me, Fashion Director Marie Kelly. And me, Aideen O'Connell, Image.ie staff writer. And me, Sarah Rickard, Fashion Stylist and Creative Consultant. In our 20s, 30s and 40s, we're three women across three decades with three unique perspectives on how fashion shapes the world. Fashion and personal style are about a lot more than the clothes we choose to put on every morning. They're about the world we live in and who we choose to be. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to fashion, and we certainly love a chat. Welcome to Smart Casual. Meghan Markle's co-edited September issue British Vogue is on everyone's lips this week, and it got us thinking about how fashion can be used as a platform for change. How can the clothes we wear and the way we wear them be a catalyst for something bigger? Our guest this week is Irish designer Sorka O'Rahalig, whose ethereal and intricate work has appeared on some of the biggest female figures in pop culture, from Lady Gaga to Beyonce to Madonna. We'll be speaking to her later in the show, but before then, Waka Jurai this week, Sarah. Well, I had uh, very little time to be looking at anything fashion last week or doing anything fashion as I was uh, extreme parenting my, my two children, um, which was intense. But I did catch a glimpse of Copenhagen Fashion Week. And for me, it is one of the best out there, you know, I think I just I think Copenhagen is my spiritual home. I've I've never been, <laughs> but I think if I go, I'll never come back. So just everything about it, um, the designers. I I love. There's so many Danish brands that I love. Like um, Gani was a highlight, and um, Baum and Fergarden. Uh, Cecile Banson obviously is out of this world, and um, for me the biggest highlight or the, the best show was the Stina Goya show, another Danish brand that's stocked in Gallery 9 and it was all about um, ballroom culture so it celebrated inclusivity you know to the extreme so it was all um, all the models were cast via Bumble a networking app and they were all part of like a ballroom community mm, so it was kind of based on um, kiki like LGBT uh, films from back in the 70s Paris is Burning that kind of stuff so it was a, a riot of colour and clashing and the models kind of danced and sashayed down the runway it sounds and, like so much fun yeah mm. so it was fun and frivolous and everything fashion should be and it's also not like the most expensive brand you know it's yeah. quite affordable so even in that way it's inclusive you know you're not looking at it going well like when am not I not a chance yeah not a chance so that was incredibly exciting for me I really found it and brilliant. as a brand I think it's very wearable as well totally. I mean I think to some extent you probably have to pick apart the pieces from a show like that yeah. and, yeah, and yeah, kind yeah. of separate them out in your head Yeah. but just you know when I'm on the Gallery 9 website like I find the, the looks really really accessible and really wearable totally I but, think the silhouettes are always clean the mm. lines are always clean and then they just go mad with the colour or yeah. the print you never know. feels overwhelming though no no. but like you say I think probably because they're quite streamlined shapes so it works really well yeah. and that's I think with all the Danish brands they are mm. so wearable and yeah. that, you know that three. is the difference I think for Copenhagen Fashion Week as a whole it's when you look at it you're like well I could wear every single piece yeah. basically yeah. Yeah. 
you never feel that you're kind of far away from it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Marie? Um, so my high of the week was actually getting a sneak peek of H&M's studio collection, which uh, drops on the 5th of September, I think. Now, unfortunately, it's actually not stocked in our flagship store on College mm. Green, which is really annoying. And if there's anybody from H&M listening, <laughs> please, please start stocking the studio collection. Um, thought it was fantastic. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, obviously, it's available to buy online. Mm. Um, but there was about, I'd say, 10 pieces on the rail um, in the showroom and literally five of them I would have bought there and then wow. without a doubt and then there was an amazing coat which I would have bought if I was like about two or three inches taller but it was just you know the way one of those kind of long line shapes that just yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't have been tall enough but it was a beautiful piece um, absolutely loved it really lovely interesting prints I mean there was a, a pleated skirt and shirt cohort that obviously screamed mm-hmm. Victoria Beckham <laughs> so I've got my eye on those seriously have you had an episode yet where you haven't mentioned I know, Victoria I'm Beckham I'm so sorry <laughs> I, I really need to stop I know I mean there are other designers out there that I that I love. There really are. Imagine you met her, Marie. Imagine, eighteen. Imagine throwing it out there to the universe. <laughs> and I, it's so funny because I, I'm not that like I, I don't have big fan crushes yeah, yeah, and things. Yeah. I'm not like that at all. You're like celebrity or designers, but but VB, <laughs> I would very happily sit down and chat with her. Anyway, back to the point. Um, the H and M Studio Collection. Yeah, thought it was absolutely fantastic. Really, really strong. Um, the pleated skirt and shirt cohort was fabulous. Um, a really gorgeous um, kind of polo neck knit with a kind of a loose or like a little bit bat wingy but not you know not too much um, in a gorgeous um, kind of warm mustardy colour absolutely fantastic like really loved it very um, you very me yeah I, I absolutely loved it um, so I'm very excited for that to drop on the 5th of September and um, yeah I think you know you'd probably get want to get onto the website fairly quickly because I think I think they'll sell out there very wearable and actually there was um, a good few pieces from the um, next autumn winter drop which I think is second week in September if I'm not wrong and really strong pieces and this is the 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 standard H and M collection, yeah, the mainline. Great to hear. Um, really, really nice pieces. Really strong. Um, you know, they felt nice to touch. Nice drapes. Um, really strong. I thought so. Kind of excited. I just hope they all come. I mean, the mainline mm. does come mm. to the flagship store. Yeah, like, yeah. but do you know the way sometimes it's finding them. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Can be can be kind of we tricky. Especially like, H and M, you have to. Yeah, read you really do. But um, but I think it's definitely a brand to look out for. Um, this autumn winter, I think it's one that you'll really want to shop from. Yeah. You know, so really yeah. loved it. Yeah. Um, similar to Sarah, it would have been Copenhagen Fashion Week as well for me. Um, I was glued to Instagram for the street style. I just, I'm obsessed with people from Copenhagen. Mm. I visited there in May and I remember just looking around at all these girls. They're just so cool. Mm. Like way cooler than people from London and Paris. Like they're yeah. just... And they're all on their bikes and But they're they're quite like statuesque as well, yeah, aren't they? Like they're taller, they're broader, they're like They really oh do. God, They've they just amazing have this, skin and hair, this yeah. confident yeah. yeah. It's just like in them, like it's like they're b- I born think with like, it, like the height really mm. helps. It does. It really does when you yeah. have that lovely, like tall, long and yeah. the, it's the long limbs. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, hundred yeah. percent and light. I think what makes it work for them as well. It's like really minimal makeup, mm. really like natural hair. Like there's nothing too done up about yeah. them. But I saw someone comment on Instagram and it was 
just about the street street style and how good it was that it was kind of like fashion weeks of yore basically that people actually dressed up they properly like dressed up not like kind of an avant-garde kind of a way but just to dress up as if they were going somewhere really nice which they were I I love that kind of fashion I much prefer it to the you know Anna Del Russo kind of craziness I just I have no interest in that I love I want to look at street style and think yeah I love that outfit I want to wear that outfit exactly and when I was looking at the street style that's how I was thinking about it because there was a certain kind of uniform that you could kind of see coming out of it it was like an oversized blazer mm. real nice dress like the strappy heels but like I could look at them and be like well I can go into Zara yeah. and pick up yeah. an Just oversized thinking blazer you're yeah, exactly. it's Copenhagen looking a little bit Copenhagen today <laughs> it's in my head but I think that was the really nice thing about it because sometimes right when you look at different fashion weeks and you look at the street style you're kind of like oh well yeah it's fab but it's mad mm. and I'll never I'll yeah. never be able to wear anything like this yeah. but it's so much it's so much different and I just yeah. I was just obsessed and the fashions, all the fashion shows, as we were saying about how wearable they all are. I loved Ghani, I loved By Milan, I loved Sangoya. They were just such highlights for me and I can't wait for the next one. It's definitely becoming something that I look to every year and I really look forward to. So on to today's topic, which is how fashion acts as a catalyst for change. Um, fashion has the power to change because it is such a huge part of modern culture. Um, but it is a part which has excluded many over the years from weight to height to race. It was like a club that very few could be part of on the big stage. But when you see publications like Vogue putting Sinead Burke on the cover, you realise it's changing, it's changing quite rapidly. But I don't think we even fully understand at this stage how radical and how important it actually is. Um, I think nowadays if you aren't pushing for diversity or inclusivity as a brand, um, then you will suffer. And an example of this is Victoria's Secret, mm. um, which just announced that it won't be televising its show this yeah, year, um, which is really interesting, but kind of, kind of expecting it because it just... It doesn't have, I don't think people looked at it anymore being like, oh my God, I love it. It, uh, To me, it feels like it's produced for men, not women. Mm. Yeah. That's how I would look at it, really. Yeah. I I just, I would get it. It's something to look at in like a post Me Too society. It's just, it's completely defunct, you know, and even like, it's just the same, the same overly thin model, mm-hmm. beautiful, stunning features yeah. coming out one after another after another. There's nothing special about it. I know they went diverse with their race. Um, they had, you know, some girls of different ethnicities, but it's not enough. It's People need it more. And, and yeah. for when you'd see always after Victoria's Secret Show, which made, always made me feel uncomfortable, was girls putting up pictures on Instagram and Twitter being like, oh my God, goals mm. and all this, which like isn't a good th- thought pr- yeah. process to be going Does through anyway. Does anyone want to wear the... No. Well, I can't shop there because they don't make... I mean, teenagers? Like, I that's what I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, asking as well. Like, like, because that that's partly why I say it's 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 kind of made for men, mm. but it seems to be produced for men, not women. Because, I don't know, do do women really look and go, yeah, that lingerie is... I really Younger want girls. I'm yeah. going to feel girls. fantastic but in that. Because they're being influenced by... Yeah. A hundred percent. And like they had announced just in the last few months that they'd signed their first transgender model, but it's way too late for them as a brand. Yeah. And there was that Vogue interview with their chief marketing officer and he explained why Victoria's Secret don't use plus side models or transgender models. And it was because um, they market to who they market to. Like so, Which is so completely like... If you're a marketing officer, why would you say that? Like, yeah. I just don't understand it. And I think he stepped down and the CEO had to step down. Um, but I think another thing with the whole diversity and inclusivity is that it has to be authentic. And that wasn't authentic no, what they were it doing. it was completely transparent. It was a business move. Pun, yeah. It wasn't 
everyone knows the ethos of their brand so like it just didn't fit and yeah. I just I don't see how they're going and to come also, back from that. she's just another stunning looking Girl, Brazilian she's exact supermodel. Same. Exactly. You know it's there's nothing exciting about that. But it's you know like we've always said you know perfection becomes bland yeah. very very mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and that's mm. that's really how I would feel about Victoria's Secrets. Mm-hmm. Like between the models and the lingerie, it's just it's all bland. Very two thousands, yeah. I think. Very and, naughties. And another point that the marketing officer made was how people kept comparing it to the Finchy show, mm. the lingerie show they've been mm-hmm. yes. and it was such Incredible. a beautiful yeah. show. Yeah. It was yeah. just, it really oh was. my god, yeah. stunning! But he had said, "Oh, we had pregnant um, models on the runway." But I was kind of, I was thinking in my head, no, you didn't. I think they were like maybe a few weeks pregnant. Mm. And then the whole thing with Victoria's yeah. Secret was you came back after having a baby mm. looking perfect, which is not the ideal that yeah. they should be sending out anyway. Absolutely. So 100%. I don't, I don't see how they bring themselves back. Yeah. 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 Just back to that um, girls posting on Instagram after um, I was listening to something with Catherine Omerod. Yes, and very, very good. Yeah, she's incredible. And she wrote did, she wrote a book called she did, she Why did. Social Media... Yeah, it's ruining yeah, your we life. Sp- yeah. yeah, we spoke about it before. But she was saying that she put up a photo of her in um, a bikini on holidays. And she was after having a really horrendous stomach bug. And like some, some of the comments, like someone commented like, parasites have never looked so good. I want that, you know, like body goals. Yeah. She's like, look how messed up this is. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. and there's another girl, um, Alex Light, I think is her name. Yeah. She's like um, body confidence mm-hmm. and she is a stunning looking girl. But she suffered years of eating disorders. And um, I'm not sure what she was doing. I'm not sure if she was a blogger or what she was to start off with. But she's come out now like she's healthy. She's a healthy size I don't know, 14 to 16 now. And she just constantly puts up photos of like her cellulite comparing this absolutely stunning little stick woman to the woman, she, the absolutely beautiful, yeah. um, like healthy, vivacious woman that she is now. And like you can you can actually see the sadness in her, you know, mm-hmm. in the photo. Like she's, she's always quite serious and stuff. Yeah. And now she is, and I think she's modelling for... Uh, swimwear brands now and everything Fantastic. so uh, it's it's incredible that there is such an ability to to kind of change people's mind frame you know Absolutely. and the yeah. onus is on brands yeah to change everything you know what you, know? you see is what you do or what you see is what you know mm-hmm. so you know if, you, if all you're subjected to is Victoria's Secrets models exactly. like you know mm, we're all going to feel dreadful about ourselves mm, all the time exactly. it's just you know the it, you know I just always go back to that phrase what you see is what you do or, or what you know mm. so it, mm-hmm. it's all about like putting positive putting positive yeah. images and visuals out there for sure yeah well that is 100% obviously the idea behind like the amount of thought that must have gone into that September issue yeah. those mm-hmm. 15 trailblazer women it's just phenomenal it's I, such and you, you guys monumental. were saying um, before we came in here that there's been a bit of a backlash which I, yeah. I didn't realise I hadn't heard but I think it's a Bloody brilliant idea. Yeah, I think she's a, she's a very clever girl, yeah. Meghan Markle. And I think for Edward to get her on board yeah. as well, Smart you know, thinking. it was a great, great move by both of them. And then to put the thought into who they were going to put on that cover, yeah. you know, from Schneiderberg to Laverne Cox. to be brave Cox. enough exactly. to, to do that sort of grid format. Grid, yeah. But I think, you know, you know, we're we're involved in fashion covers every every single month and it's so hard mm. to, you know, deliver something fresh and mm. something that you think will will catch people's attention and interest yeah. as well as their eye. And I, I think for me, it doesn't really matter whether aesthetically you love it or don't love it. I think it's just so interesting mm. and different. Mm. Yeah. The message um, behind and it. The, the, exactly, the message and the content behind it. And mm. I, I mean, I just, I thought it was an absolutely brilliant yeah. idea. 
Yeah, but for girls who were looking at that, who always thought they were outside of the usual marriage and like seeing like Sinead Burke on a cover, like mm-hmm. they must be like, mm. it's amazing. I, would, it's I feel phenomenal. kind of emotional about it. I just think it's just such an amazing thing because when, even when I was younger, don't you always kind of think, oh, that's just so far away. Like yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> that's well, a like, dream I think, world. Yeah. Like we come from a quite privileged, you know, like we would have grown up like, you know, white girls yeah. seen white girls everywhere. And okay, we, we all have our body hang-ups, but it's not like we weren't seen ourselves no, mm-hmm. represented. Like yeah. these women, these like black kids were not seeing images of black girls anywhere. They're like, why do I look like this? And they all look like that. Like how? I can't imagine up? what that was. And I no, think it, we can't. In, we absolutely can't. I think when we had Emma Dabbery on yes, the show, yeah, I think that, that really kind of um, reinforced it or really um, kind of illuminated mm. how that must have been. I, I, you know, like you say, we were just surrounded Obvious. by like-minded yeah. kids and families and people. Um, and when she spoke about, you know, just being like this kind of essentially alien kind of looking creature um, in Dublin in the 80s. Um, I mean, like that's a lot for a kid to, mm. to deal with and to take on. And I thought, you know, it, it, it's just it's hard to imagine how that would impact on your, you know, your emotional growth and, yeah. you know, everything else. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. And just lastly, on the cover, I, you know, it. Was it is absolutely incredible as we've said it's a landmark moment um, for all involved but I, I loved the fact that there's, there's a 16th, 16th box or grid that's actually a mirror and so obviously you see your reflection in it so you know it's all about how the onus is also on us to be mm. forces for change and I, I love that sentiment and I think you know as cheesy as it might sound or whatever and you know when Meghan Markle stands up there like there's a lot to be said for I feel really empowered. It resonates. Yeah, it resonates. And I think, you know, also, you know, seeing your reflection. So, yes, it's about we're all responsible and involved in this movement, but also it's like you fit. Mm. It doesn't matter who you are, mm, what yeah. you look like. You, mm. you fit in that yeah. grid. Yeah. You have a place yes. in that grid you among those look, women. Yeah. and those, you know. So. I actually looked at the mirror and I got a bit of a fright. I looked at it and I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's me. I was like, <laughs> I'm not a folk. I'm a force for change. I look cat as else. That could have been a lot of it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. It is because I think one of the bigger things I suppose in fashion at the minute that we talk about is climate change mm. it's probably the most prolific issue of our time because it's something that includes all of us affects all of us you know it's our home that we're talking about yeah. the destruction of um, so we do have a responsibility to do as much as we can individually and I think a big part of that is probably fashion because fashion is one of the biggest pollutants as everyone knows um, and I think what we wear really does represent our truths, our values. Um, when I attended the sustainability summit in Copenhagen in May, that was a big part of the discussion and kind of the example that they used was how people wear the visa trainers. Mm-hmm. And if you are down the street and you see someone with visa trainers, you think you go conscious, you think yeah. climate change, that's what you think. And then you might like get into a conversation with someone and they'll ask where your shoes are and then this rolls on and then they're kind of thinking, well, I... Yeah. want to do my part so I'm going to stop start wearing Vija trainers uh, yeah but I'm not sure I like yes it's absolutely brilliant and we need more than yeah. trainers but I, I think people are wearing Vija trainers because they like the look of them <laughs> I don't necessarily yeah. think they're doing it with a conscious you know I think it's a bonus mm. uh, absolutely yeah. but you know yeah, people I kind are of also agree with, with you Sarah but having said that it was interesting I was watching uh, I don't know if anyone ever watches that Channel 4 show on Sunday morning Sunday brunch yeah, yeah. Uh, and Ashley B was on it yeah, yesterday yeah. and of course she was wearing her Vasia trainers yes. because she absolutely embodies yeah. the whole um, sustainable fashion mantra so I think it is interesting when you see Vasia on someone like that and then you think aha okay 
They're yeah. actually, you know, if you are one of those people who's wearing them because they're cool. And, mm. and I think there are a lot of people wearing them because they're 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 just cool right yeah, now. Yeah, the thing, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you see them on Ashling Bean, you're like, okay, there's another layer yes. to that. And yeah. I think, which is brilliant. It's which fantastic. is brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it is important for for people like her. And I have you have to admire her because she really does um kind of live it. Mm. And it's mm-hmm. hard. Mm. Like we all know how mm. hard it is to just dress sustain you know, in sustainable, ethical, um, vintage you know, clothes, it is very, very hard. And, you know, but I think like for me dealing with, you know, the, the whole issue of, of um, fashion and its impact on the environment and that kind of thing is is not, you know, I won't, I can't just shop sustainable right now. Mm-hmm. The, the choice wouldn't be there for me, mm-hmm. irrespective of, of the mm-hmm. money. But I think it is choosing really, really carefully, you know, and making sure that you get absolute longevity mm-hmm. out of the pieces and then passing them on. When it you're is, done yeah, with them. and it's the kind of the whole theme of shopping your wardrobe mm-hmm. which I've seen a lot of on Instagram which is mm-hmm. a really great thing that phrase. people are, yeah exactly yeah. and that people are pushing that and like I've even noticed with a lot of my friends like they've all started to think differently about yeah. how how they wear their clothes and where they buy and stuff like that which is great but that's coming from conversations that people are having on, on Instagram and I think that's the power of all of us individually as a collective basically that we can push kind of well not like push it down people's throats but yeah. start that conversation Absolutely. and talk to your friends more about it like because I before that like as I've said before white age group definitely is like the see now buy now it's like wear once get rid of it but I would sit down with the girls and we'd chat about it and we'd so I'd say a few things maybe about like the harm that it's doing and things that I started and to do and they're like is it, it changing it is yeah, and they're kind of like well yeah I one friend in particular and I we just got into the conversation just offhand like and she came back to me she said I just she was like I went to buy something on like misguided and she's like no she was like because that will her, only right? she was like that will only last me two years yeah. and then I'll just forget about it but she was like great. I have yeah, a lot more but things but there is then the flip side there's <clears throat> no answer to there this there isn't no because um, it is it's so nuanced like there's no way that the likes of pennies or misguided can like pull out of Bangladesh or whatever you know exactly. the whole their whole well their whole business be, model yeah falls to pieces then. exactly mm-hmm. yeah but I think it's about them being more conscious of like what chemicals they're using in mm-hmm. their dyes you know mm-hmm. it's like they have the money mm. to, to do put it. behind this and, stuff and so, how they treat their yeah their the regulations and, and the factories you know, and, and, and all of yeah. that and, and, and paying people a fair wage and, and all of that like yeah. because I do think you know you you look at someone like Pippa Holt now and, and she has absolutely founded her brand mm. like I mean at the end of the day they're just caftans mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. not that very heavy it's not that exciting you yeah. know I mean not that they're not lovely but yeah. you know what I mean it's you know it is what it is but I I think part of why that brand has captured people's imagination and it has if you look at if you follow her on Instagram I mean like the people wearing them and they're stocked everywhere is because they're made by these artisan women mm. they take a month it's each, each yeah. piece takes a month to make it is it's what they represent and it's where your money is going mm. do you know what I mean so mm. instead of buying like five from Zara you buy one from, from Pippa Holt and but it's also a status thing it's becoming you it know, is becoming yeah. absolutely sustainable yeah. Yeah, yeah clothes ethical clothes it is becoming it Status thing, but that's partly because it it does suggest Expensive. money. Yeah, yeah it, it does suggest affluence. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of got to change as well. Um, you know, it has to become something that's that's much more accessible. Yeah, but um, yeah. but but just on the whole kind of broader topic that we were talking about of of um, how fashion can impact change, and I think of Ruth Aga, You know, turning up to the um, to 2017, I think Oscars in that Valentino red dress, mm. um, and she's kind of been credited for advancing that whole modesty dressing mm. kind of look, which I thought was really kind of interesting, um, because she was literally, I mean, it, it mm. was almost like the equivalent of a pole neck if you you know in yeah. in chiffon or tall yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. it was, yeah. like literally right up to her chin, right down to her um, to her 
wrists, um, full length. She was completely covered. I thought it was absolutely she fantastic. Like, yeah. And I loved the fact because she's, um, you know, she said in the past she loves sleeves, you know, mm. and I just loved the fact that she didn't compromise her style. She went for exactly the look that she loves. And, you know, it's not traditional red carpet. No. Kind of, you know, or certainly not traditional Oscars red carpet kind of look Um, and I I just loved that whole idea of somebody of kind of her calibre showing that you can be sexy and covered covered. but that's the power of influence as well like that's a huge like even with social media now and influencers and stuff like Mm -hmm. that like they wear something and that like flies Mm. off the rails and it was something that they said at the summit I was at as well was get the right person wearing the clothes or doing something different like let's say with sustainability or something like that and the rest will follow. Like and I it's think it's probably the difficulty is that a lot of influencers are not maybe promoting the right exactly. brands or the right ethos. Definitely. Or it's like a mixed message that yeah. they're sending out, which I've seen a lot of. Actually, Neva Sullivan is very good. She's brilliant. Yeah, the blogger. She's yes, I, all mm, about sustainable fashion. Yeah. And yeah, she's a really good one to follow to keep you in the know. And actually, Anya Gorman, another an Irish model, um, does a lot for climate change and she, she's she been to all like the UN summits and Amazing. yeah New York and um, she is another great one like she you know she's got a wealth of information on what what brands what websites you know it's so Fantastic. it's really it's just about educating yeah. yourself really See, I, I think they're the people that, that women are drawn to now yeah. because yeah. Um, it's it's so layered what they're offering on, on Instagram or whatever platform they use like it, it's it's really layered it's not just fashion for fashion's sake like there's there's messages there and um and I think I think people just want more out of social media now mm. you do than just yeah. you know a pretty picture of someone in a random skirt yeah Yeah, exactly well guys that was a very interesting chat so I think we should wrap it up there thanks guys thank you at Kildare Village the focus is to make women feel really good about themselves shopping the array of discounted designer stores that offer luxury items without the premium price tag is just the beginning by supporting women in sport, ageist style and how every woman can get in touch with their personal style. Kildare Village unites and supports women of all ages and interests. On today's episode, I am joined by Irish designer Sirica O'Reilly. Hailing from County Offaly, Sirica blurs the line between fashion and art, designing the most stunning bespoke creations. Her pieces are pure artistry in motion and almost look otherworldly and have been worn by A-list stars such as Beyonce and Lady Gaga to name but a few. And we are so excited and delighted to be chatting with her today. So welcome to Smart Casual. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> nope. Lovely intro. <laughs> thank you. I really Like, do. who is this person? Is this me? <laughs> I, do like, I do like to give a good intro, I have to say. <laughs> so, Nate, during your time um, as a fledgling designer, you interned for John Galliano and Diane yes. von Furstenberg. Yes. So what did these experiences teach you about being a designer? Uh... Well, John was just like amazing. It was in Paris and I got offered a three month internship. I I ended up extending that for ended up staying Mm -hmm. for five months. But no, it was just an incredible experience. I think uh, I kind of did it before we did an industry year when I was at St. Martin. Mm -hmm. So it was that gap between um, before doing your final collection. And I really feel like seeing such a a visionary work and like how he put things together was just incredible 
Um, and I learned so much from that experience. It was a super creative internship. So we would uh, be making a lot of the samples, a lot of the creative side. So it was really hands on. <laughs> really hands on. We got to be in the fittings, you know, every day someone would get oh chosen gosh. to be in the fittings and see him at yeah. work, like put things together. And uh, it was just incredible. And did you get to talk to him and stuff? Like, would he have been yeah, interactive and stuff? Yeah, I brought him his tea. And, oh, you yeah. know, <laughs> that was right. And sometimes he'd say, like, your outfit. And you're like, oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> um, but no, it was just, I think, the whole process of seeing uh, a collection of that level be put together um, and the atelier, how it worked each. There was one person per look oh, to wow. make the look. So they would start with the pattern. They would develop the pattern. They would, that was their baby. Um, so it was almost like couture, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to see the process of the fittings and also like the collaging of materials. So seeing the things that we would have helped develop yeah how they would be interpreted into the garment and then it was just an incredible they really worked in such a, an artisanal way mm-hmm. and that was I think that really influenced my approach to yeah. my work and it was just uh, an incredible experience I can't believe I got to you know it was a yeah. real privilege um, and then working for Diane was also amazing completely different because mm-hmm. so commercial yeah. and in New York which is much more yeah. fast paced um, uh, but I was very lucky the ex-vice president of Galliano got me over there because she started working for Diane so uh she uh, had a similar approach to very creative, even though it was a more commercial brand. Mm-hmm. But we, you wouldn't, it, they had a totally different way of working. But I think that that was really good to see uh, one side that was so craft and artisanal mm-hmm. and then one side that's super business driven because you can't have yeah. one without the other, exactly. you know. Um, so I learned a lot more about like the commercial side. Uh, side. And I think Diane is a brilliant uh, person at marketing and... And she is the brand, basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, they were filming, what was it, uh, The Girl from the Hills? Oh my God, I that was that. <laughs> that was happening when I was interning there. So it was just like the way she used her brand in so many different ways to market, you mm-hmm. know, it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and do you so think it was really funny. Do you think you've taken aspects from both of those experiences? both of those experiences to how you design now or is it more I think when I was younger I I took more of the John side Mm. and I think now that I'm getting older I appreciate the commerce more so like the business side and you can't have art without commerce basically Mm. Um, so I think as I get older I have more of an appreciation for for both whereas I think when I was younger maybe a bit more snobby if I'm honest Uh, not saying that that I loved that experience but I think I was just so in awe of John you know and in awe of Mm. Diane is amazing like she's a force to be reckoned with but um, no both experience really shaped and prepared me I feel like in a way that I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have produced what I produced mm. for my final collection had I not had that experience, yeah. I feel like. Um, so I feel super lucky yeah. to have had that. And was fashion all 
always something you wanted to do? Was it always an interest? Uh, I was always obsessed with art as a kid. Mm. I was basically rubbish at everything else at school. So art was like my thing, my solace, my therapy, my thing where I felt like I had a place or fit in because I just I find school really d- difficult I was super dyslexic and um, yeah so like art was my thing and I was obsessed with clothes like dressing up as a kid yeah. like um, my mom used to have these trunks for us full of all like old dresses yes. <laughs> I just loved that idea of fantasy and I think that that's still like influences my work that 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 um escapism that can mm. come with fashion so um then I didn't realize until teenhood that this job called a fashion designer existed because <laughs> I grew up like in the middle of nowhere basically yeah, pre-internet yeah. <laughs> you know it's like and then like as soon as I knew that this was a job that existed that was my aim mm-hmm. in life yeah. and you went to Central St. Martins I did yeah. how London. was that experience that was I still hands down my favorite experience Class. ever of my life I think just even moving moving to London um, and just like it was just like an explosion of culture and just uh, people from all around the world and just so many creatives. Um, It was 2006, so I guess it was around the time of the crash kind of. So it was actually really creative time and London was not as commercial I would say Mm -hmm. as it is now and yeah there was this crazy like club scene so we would get all dressed up (laughs) head to toe in glitter crazy outfits (laughs) (laughs) and just like had the most incredible time Yeah. yeah it was really it was just so sensory like the whole experience in every way and then I was at this incredible place St. Martin's where it's just like um they just let you, they just give you the space mm-hmm. to be creative and be yourself, yeah. which I think, again, really shaped. They just gave you, they didn't box you in. You just, the only restriction was yourself. Myself, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that that is, for someone that maybe is more creative and doesn't like being told what to, to do, do yeah. <laughs> that suited me really well. Yeah. And, and it was pre-social media as well as you were saying. So like yeah. you didn't, when you were designing, were you think like you never had to think about, oh, would this work on Instagram or, yeah, or something like that? Like, no, I mean, there was eventually there was MySpace, mm. you know, and you chose your song <laughs> and you had your top <laughs> friends, but it wasn't, you'd go on for like, I don't know, once every other day. It wasn't like, you know, scrolling now. You weren't making things to maybe put them on the internet. You were just Mm -hmm. making them. It sounds ridiculous now, but it was more... um, A free time? A free time, very much free. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and nowadays, how... what? What does your design process look like? So how from start to finish, what was happening? Uh, well, I took a break, so I went to India. Uh, so I had my brand for like five years in London, uh, and then I took a break and went to Italy for the last three years. So I was working for other brands. So in that sense, my approach has changed to five years ago. So yeah. I'm just relaunching now. So sorry, I told you I go on a million <laughs> tangents. But basically my approach, I guess I always start with like the mood is super important mm-hmm. to me and the feeling. 
Um, and then I like I always love to have a narrative or, a st- you know, mm-hmm. a story yeah. to tell. And um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just layer things up slowly. So it starts, I guess, with a mood and a feeling. And then, like, obviously, embellishment and texture is super important to my work. So mm-hmm. I would start with the tactile things first, and then shape would always follow. And then just build very slowly that yeah. way. Yeah, because your designs are so intricate. Oh, thank like, you. Like, imagine they're labours of love, I feel, yeah. They are, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So, yeah, there's a lot of layers and and I think the way I used to work was I used to hand make and with some people helping me, we used to hand make everything in the studio. Um, I think being in industry, I've learned that that you don't have to slay (laughs) for a hundred thousand hours on something to make it work. So Mm -hmm. I'm working more on outsourcing as well now and not trying to do it. You can't do everything yourself if you want to have a sustainable business. So so my approach is slightly different, but still I'm very self-involved. I I always like to be hands-on, especially for the development stage Mm -hmm. and then work with other people to help make it be the best that it can be now. And inspiration-wise, say that break you took, do you feel like you're kind of refreshed or uh, yeah definitely I think um, I took it more for personal reasons than professional yeah. reasons and I was just a bit burnt out and I was facing other challenges in my life and I think it was the best thing that I could have done at that time because I think when you have any kind of business you have to be a thousand percent present and super on it all the yeah. time and um I just needed to take a step back. And honestly, I think that everything happens for a reason. And I learned so much from that experience. It was so good and it was so what I needed. And it was really interesting to look at my business almost from an outside perspective Mm -hmm. and understand maybe what really wasn't working and what was working. And um, uh, it was just interesting to, to kind of see... I think I was too stubborn before and I think I had more of um, a good approach at looking at maybe what I would do differently. Uh, To be honest, when I took the break, I never thought I would restart my brand again. Yeah, I was just so done. Oh my gosh. And... But then I think when you heal other parts of your life, you like realize, oh, it wasn't that. It was just all the other crazy yeah. stuff going on. <laughs> so uh, I was just like, um, OK, I think it's time to start again. I'm bored. Yeah. But that's <laughs> so amazing. It's though. good. I feel super excited and feel super grateful that I can be in a position to start again with all this knowledge that from before and with a fresh yeah. take on things. Mm-hmm. So. But it was a brave thing to do though because I think a lot of people especially who have their own businesses have their own brands as you said I think they think they need to be on a thousand percent all the time but like that is not sustainable at all so for you no. to actually to take that break and say you know I have to do this for myself like that was yeah. a huge step. Well yeah I just um, I just yeah, I just didn't want to do it. And I just, even though that was kind of heartbreaking in a way, because I put so much of myself into it mm. for so long and sacrificed everything, you know, but it just didn't feel right. And I just, yeah, I think, I think time is the best thing you can give yourself if something is not working. Yeah. And, 
um, yeah, I got super into loads of things like spirituality yeah. and self-help <laughs> and all that <laughs> lovely stuff. And I think now I have a way more holistic approach to my work also, which I think you need in life. So I just think that that whole experience was just so grounding and so good professionally, but also like mentally. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm really happy I did yeah, you it. You seem like you're enjoying it more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I, yeah, I do believe everything happens for a reason. And honestly, it was like an education, yeah. and then getting paid to be educated, it was brilliant. So, so yeah, I'm yeah. super happy with yeah. that. So you produce smaller, more kind of like off-season collections rather than the usual kind of yeah. seasonal approach. Why was that purposeful or? Um, that was. I would say <laughs> not so purposeful when I was like before I was just doing the best I could yeah. at that time. And when you're hand making everything, I mean, some pieces would literally take us three months oh to make. Um, so, but I think I worked in such a creative way. It was really good. And now I realize after being in industry, I realize I worked in kind of a backwards way. But had I not done it that way, I don't think I would have produced certain things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. actually, I think sometimes not having the technical background can be really, it can limit you sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes now I go too technical and it stops you from, your brain changes yeah. in a different way, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, it wasn't so intentional. It was more just logistical yeah. that that was the best that I could do at that time. But also I just wanted to keep it quite pure. Mm. And so I was happy not to be seasonal. And my main business was bespoke. I yeah. think seasonal is only really super important if you're, you know, your main business is in wholesale and supplying to stores. But always with the stores I worked with, I would do like a super small like capsule collection. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, my main business was more always bespoke. So that suited my business structure yeah. anyway. Um, I mean, moving forward, I wouldn't be so opposed to doing seasonal now but then I'm not that way driven either I'm going to shape my business as it needs to be shaped kind of thing and I think things are really changing I think the seasonal thing is people are really moving away from it it's not so relevant anymore and um, it's kind of outdated the whole autumn, winter, spring, summer thing yeah and it kind of feeds into that whole fast fashion idea as well it's kind of like throw away fashion kind of thing yeah which is the opposite of kind of what What my work work is Mm -hmm. about exactly uh, which is great though honestly (laughs) but your pieces are one off you know thank you well I'm trying to introduce so I've started an accessories line more in jewellery that's more like accessible to people because that was one thing I realised as well like um, you know, when I finally stepped away from my business and was working for other brands, I suddenly had loads of disposable income because I wasn't pumping all my money back <laughs> into my business. So I was like, "Woo, let's go shopping. <laughs> so um, when you're you, you also I learned a lot as a consumer, which I think is super important. Yeah. It's, it's like I don't want to buy in a two half thousand pound top that's like you can't you're move, kind of move in. in yeah. Um, why would I expect other people to do? So, like, obviously I want still the artisanal mm. part, but I also want, like, little pieces that people can buy that are affordable, mm. but that are also something that they That's can special. just... Special and that they can wear 
like every day or whatever and when you see like women wearing your designs like how does that feel do you get like a buzz yeah no it's super uh it's super exciting but it yeah, I always go into the fear as well. You know, the inferiority <laughs> thing. I'm like, oh no, no, I get really nervous. But obviously I'm super grateful yeah. as well. But yeah. And then, so as I said earlier, Lady Gaga and Beyonce have worn your designs, Kylie Minogue. Yes. How did those collaborations come about? Uh, so I was really, really lucky. Like um, when I left St. Martin's, I actually, uh, I started working for a friend, Merle O'Grady, who's Irish and she's a jewellery designer. She had a studio in London. So I was working for her as her assistant because I needed a job. <laughs> and uh, But um, I had really good press from my graduate collection. Uh, I was really lucky. I closed the press show and like loads of people picked me up, like Vogue Italia and everyone was shooting the work. So... From that, then, stylists just started commissioning me. So Anna Trevelyan, that was assisting Nicola Formichetti at that time, she actually commissioned me, I think, like three weeks after I graduated wow, to make a cool. dress for Gaga for the VMAs. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. What? And, like, the deadline was crazy. It was, like, I think four days or something for the super embellished thing. Like, I, like, managed to make all my friends come <laughs> oh and stay up with me all night sewing, like, like a thousand flowers onto a dress and I was like oh my god this is it this is it and like you don't realise when you make for celebrities they don't always wear it because they have a thousand options so she didn't wear that that happened about three times I think and then eventually but obviously it was still amazing to be like commissioned and everything but um then the third time I was just like whatever yeah. like and then she wore it for uh, Born This Way it was like oh in God. in her opening scene and then a couple of months after that she wore the thing on Graham Norton and name checked me which class, was insane sorry. Like, did that like change things for you? that or? definitely changed things mm. um like before that I found like I struggled financially I struggled to like I was just like had this kind of hobo life of like (laughs) sofa surfing and like you know renting a place for a few months and then trying to make it work but like it was really really hard um but I was still really lucky I mean that was a few months like six seven months after leaving St. Martin's I was still really lucky but that did change things um and I got a lot more stability and a lot more work. Mm-hmm. And um, no, it was just really cool. And I'll always be grateful for that. That was I really see. good. I well, like telling everyone, like, like <laughs> I'm dressing Lady Gaga. I'd be, I, would be, I would not shut up about it anyway. <laughs> I think I still had the inferiority thing, but mm, no. That's an Irish thing. Yeah. Can I put it out there? Um, <laughs> but no, that was really cool. And that did change uh, that did change a lot for me. And before that, I really felt like I was just chancing it, like just making things mm. in my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, I didn't have a proper studio or anything. Yeah, so it was like, um, it was just funny. Yeah. Um, but talent will always win in the end. It's um, nice looking back at yeah. it. Yeah. I was so naive. Like, it's such an amazing thing to say, though, and to have those pictures. Because I was even looking at that, what she wore on the Grim Norton show like that was just yeah it was super fun it was so gaga make. as well yeah it was so so gaga yeah. <laughs> and um, when you're designing let's say generally would you have a, is there a specific woman in mind or um, 
someone maybe not on this planet. (laughs) Um, I am a romantic, so I do go for that kind of fantasy, ethereal, otherworldly side of things. But then a lot of it's styling. Like if you strip back some of the pieces, they're really simple shapes and everything. Um, So I definitely do have a woman in mind, probably more... um, of like I said like a narrative maybe she's not mm-hmm. real kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah I do yeah I mean I have muses for yeah. sure mm-hmm. yeah and you say art really influences yeah absolutely time, yeah, yeah massively mm-hmm. I yeah. love um, art just feeds my work mm-hmm. I think and you've you've worked on installations yeah you do for Selfridges for and... Selfridges um, for Machine and where else I did one in Brian Thomas yeah. actually yeah um, yeah I've done uh, installations I'd love to do more installations mm-hmm. actually I think they're really? a really fun way to expand kind of that idea of your not just I always think fashion isn't just about like a garment or a product maybe I'm old school though but I think it's about that world you know yeah. so I think it's a really nice way to kind of extend and expand on your ideas of who like what you're what your brand is and are they a lot different to work on in comparison to design obviously um, yeah it's like um, they can be quite labour intensive also Mm. I'm always about the layering of things as well so like more is more so (laughs) it's just like how many more shiny things can we fit in here Um, but no I've always like been quite lucky to have like people around me that would help me build things and uh, and make like things from scratch as well I would have that similar approach to building a set yeah. as like the garments like I like a very tactile kind of crafty fun hands-on fantasy mm-hmm. kind of feel mm-hmm. um yeah you're making me think maybe I should do more <laughs> installations <laughs> I think you should oh my god you should do like a big like fashion and installation yeah I think we need to put that in the works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what's the biggest challenge um, as a designer today? Uh, I think you can't narrow it down maybe to one challenge. I think there's so many challenges now. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like a super competitive industry and there's so many new brands out there. And obviously there's so many iconic brands out there still. Uh, so I guess it's like staying relevant and... Um, but then I think you have to be always true to yourself. So yeah. it's also maybe not like caving to the pressures of the structures or the the formats that everyone else is following. I think if you're true to yourself, you'll always It'll be grand. Through, yeah. 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 Um, but I think for me, actually, the biggest challenge is my own self-doubt yeah. still. That's yeah. like my biggest... <laughs> uh, but I think that's everyone's biggest challenge. Oh my gosh. I find that too. I'm the biggest doubter you'll ever meet. Yeah. yeah. And again, an Irish thing. It's, it's like so Irish. Mm, yeah. Any bit of success, anything at all, you're like, what? It's yeah. like we don't deserve nice things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's lash ourselves some more. Yeah. And then what's next for you? What's next? Uh, well, I just relaunched my brand last month. So um, I think just keep building and nurturing that Um, and I'm really lucky I'm doing a residency here in Dublin 
Yeah, at Delight Studios. So I will be there until November. Um, So that's really nice. I feel really lucky to be in that lovely space and to have the creative freedom there. Um, So I guess keep nurturing and growing my brand. Um, With the collection I've just relaunched with, it's more like headpieces. So I wanted to start small. So headpieces and then a wearable accessories jewellery line. Um, but from there, I want to build and slowly introduce clothing again. Um, uh, but yeah, I still want that fun approach and kind of uh, to stay true yeah. to my vision. So yeah. just uh, keep expanding on what I'm slowly dipping my toe yes. back into. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just going to go unbelievable for you. Oh, and thank that you. That is a lovely way to wrap up the chat. And thank you so much. Thank you're a joy you. to chat with. Oh my God, it was my pleasure. Thank <laughs> you so much. And hope to see you again soon. You too. This episode of Smart Casual was brought to you in collaboration with Kildare Village. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate, review and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify.